Welcome, or welcome back, to Pre-Arb Excellence, a bottoms-up Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Normally, I'd be chattering about minor league games now, but COVID-19 stopped that. Nonetheless, players are developing, and that development will catapult the Cubs past the Cardinals and the Brewers, or watch them sink below the Pirates and the Reds, or some combination thereof. The podcast is about examining what I consider a value, and your calls to the contest line are always welcomed. Today's podcast is Undrafted Free Agents 2020. I'll try to make it worth your time investment. As of 6 o'clock this morning, I don't know if that was Eastern Time or Central Time, but fortunately I was asleep, so I... I was kind of half asleep until like about 11 o'clock, maybe 11.30 in the morning. So it was uh, it was nice. I got up and things had already started to happen a bit and I didn't have to watch things develop. I don't have you. Do you ever remember a well, we've had a whole bunch of them quite recently, a moderately important story, how. When news starts to come out. Some of it isn't entirely accurate. It's not that somebody's lying. It's just that the information isn't complete. It's not full. Maybe you, you know, the the car was red instead of blue. Or, you know, th- there's just something that witnesses aren't entirely reliable every single time. People's memories change of what happened. Stuff happens. But, uh... This podcast is about as accurate as I can be on what I've been seeing on Twitter as far as who the Cubs have signed or are signing or uh, I'm not going to go into the who they will sign, but the I, I have six names so far that some of them have signed with the team. Some of them might, um, five, five of them have signed with the team, supposedly. I, again, I, I, um... I'm not at the commissioner's office. There may be some news that's, you know, additional. Maybe something, maybe somebody will whiff a drug screen. I don't know. But these are the names that um, are the Cubs have signed as undrafted free agents with a cap of $20,000 as a signing bonus. One of the players is from Puerto Rico. Now, that one I have less certainty on, but I'm going to go with it. And if I'm wrong, hey, I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I'm wrong quite a bit. I try to learn from my mistakes, but I think you'd probably rather hear the name and maybe the name is a bit off or maybe it turns out he signs with a different team. Or, but it sounds like these six players have signed with the Cubs and who knows, maybe I'll have one of them on and we'll talk about what's going to be next because they're certainly not getting assigned to a minor league affiliate. So here we go. The first name is Bradley Beasley. I'm convinced that his parents' favorite letter in the alphabet is E because, well, his last name is B-E-E-S-L-E-Y and his first name is Bradley with two E's. I think it's Beasley with three E's, but it's certainly Bradley with two E's. So his parents obviously dig the letter E, and that's awesome. 
but uh, he's from Cal Poly. Now, I'll talk a bit about California baseball. Major League Baseball fans, or people who are primarily Major League Baseball fans, don't not, not really too much interested in minor league or college or Chinese baseball or Japanese baseball or Korean baseball or whatever else. They're mainly baseball, Major League Baseball fans. The concept is swing for the home run, swing for the home run. Because after all, if you don't have seven or 12 guys on your team who can hit home runs, the front office is a failure and the owner and the general manager probably ought to get fired because they failed because they don't have a whole bunch of guys who can hit home runs. Okay, that can be your view on the world, I guess. It's not mine, but that can be your view. Reality is, in some places, it's really hard to hit home runs. Not impossible. You know, if you if you had some of the Chad Longworth gear and you had the spinners and you developed your uh, 59165 hitter into a guy who's uh, 5'11", 210, and he'd actually bulked up and he can, then yeah, he can probably hit a bit more home runs. But the reality is for a lot of players, it's hard to hit home runs. For a lot of human beings, it's hard to hit home runs. And Cal Poly, when you're at a generic California school, it's probably going to be really hard to hit home runs. Because after all, when you're talking about a college player, yes, they do have the BB core bats, which add eh, 10 to 15 feet to a fly ball, which helps. But much of the time when you see outfielders set up defensively for a hitter, you know, not, not the not the elite hitters, not the big dudes who hit, who are, you know, 6'5", 220, the guys who, you know, hit 6th or 7th or 8th in a normal lineup, the outfielders, they're, they're in. They're 30, 45 feet off the warning track because the ball's not going there. It's just not. The players that Major League Baseball only fans are used to, the big dudes, a lot of them didn't hit home runs in college. At least not that many, because college baseball players are almost always out the door at 21. Some stick till 22. Occasionally you get a guy who sticks till 23. But most of the time, by 21, they're toward leaving. And... By 21, players really aren't all that developed. Some are. Um, Heston Kerstad was rather big. But again, he's SEC and he was hitting middle of the order. And he, he was a really good power hitter. And nobody argues that. But the guys who are usual, normal, standard, run-of-the-mill college baseball players, you, hit, you, you put one in the sweet spot. They beat the heck out of the ball. They drill it to left center. It goes about 340. They're not going to crush the ball very often. And if you go to California, there are a lot of parks that right on the water, there's just not a whole lot of power going on. And part of that is why West Coast baseball ends up being so much small ball. Instead of trying to put together a team full of 
10, 11, 12 guys who can ab- absolutely mash, coaches realize that in college baseball, you might be better off having 10 or 11 guys who played shortstop in high school. They can run a little bit. They can hit and run. They can take advantage of mistakes by the defense. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years after they've spent some time in the gym, they get big enough and have a little bit of pop. But Bradley Beasley is a senior in his four years. I think they were all at Cal Poly. I, I didn't do a whole lot of research on uh, isolating stats and checking this, that, and the other thing on all these guys. But Bradley Beasley had three or four home runs at Cal Poly in his career. That's not tremendous. It's not horrible. But power isn't why the Cubs are signing Bradley Beasley for $20,000. They're signing him because he's a pretty good defensive outfielder at all four spots. Now, it used to to be that that would be what the Cubs would draft in the 12th round. A defense-first outfielder. Again, it's not that Bradley can't hit. Uh, Beasley can't hit. It's just power's not his thing yet. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. But he's the kind of guy who... It sounds like you could have him as the fourth outfielder in South Bend in a year, maybe 2021, maybe 2022, and he'd perfectly well function there. He, he should be able to hit. He should be able to hit some doubles. He should be able to play all four positions. He should be able to allow the star outfielder on the team or the star to play designated hitter. You know, he, he should be able to be that versatile, flexible outfielder guy that frankly, every minor league affiliate needs. And that's what you're looking at in Bradley Beasley. He's probably not going to mash the ball or anything, but he'll be a useful half. Scotty McKeon, I think he he's a he's a middle infielder from Coastal Carolina. Love, 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 Coastal Carolina. I have three data points for Coastal Carolina. One is... Tommy LaStella. Nobody liked Tommy LaStella until the Cubs traded Tommy LaStella. Then everybody loved Tommy LaStella. The reality is, in postseason games, he seemed awfully overmatched against any pitcher that he was up against. So, in the postseason, LaStella was probably a bit overmatched. But during the regular season, he was fine. He was fine for a pinch hitter. He was really good at it, especially against a mid-level right-handed reliever. And... He had a lot of loyalty to the Cubs, which was controversial for a few weeks. But, uh, no, um, Tommy LaStella, perfectly fine Coastal Carolina guy. Josh Conway, I've talked about him on the podcast before, right-handed relief pitcher. Well, he's a starter at Coastal, but his arm had some trouble. But uh, I, I had a number of interactions with him. Swell guy. He's the... Um, Despite injuries, he never looked to injuries as an excuse for anything. It was, hey, it's that, that's the way the game breaks once in a while. And boy, it, it, if more fans were like that, that would be really sweet too. But um, so, Scotty McKeon, middle infielder, in 2020, his OPS in... Well, I can't remember which conference Coastal's in right now, but the conference season hadn't really started yet. So Coastal plays a legit schedule. They, I, the last couple of years, they played Illinois. 
preseason. They they play legitimate schools. They're not uh they're not scheduling bad teams. They want to make sure that their team is ready because they know that they're going to have to have some non-conference wins, some quality non-conference wins to make it in as a as an at-large team and there's really no point in assuming that you're going to win your conference tournament in baseball because that's that's not that's dart throwing. It's not crapshoot. It's dart throwing. You have to have skill, but you also have to have a, a, a degree of good fortune. But um, so Scotty McKeon was actually listed on um, <laughs> ask my cons call into the concert uh, the contest line sometime and ask me why I chuckled when I was talking about Scotty McKeon. But Baseball America had McKeon listed as a top 500 prospect pre-draft. And the Cubs got him after the draft for a $20,000 signing bonus. That's pretty darn good. I don't know that he's ever going to accomplish a whole heck of a lot, but um, he's probably better out of the draft than David Bodie was out of the draft. So the question is, how well does Scotty McKeon develop as a professional. And for the price, uh, that's all good. Scotty McKeon, Scott McKeon, had a teammate at Coastal, Scott Kobos, a left-handed pitcher, who has, he's had a bit of injury problems, it looks like, in the past. He began as a starter, but now he's most, well, then he was a bit of a reliever. This, in 2020, he Started four times out of his five appearances. Had an ERA in the four or five range, something like that. And um, people are talking that there's there might be something there with Scott Kobos. My hope with Scott Kobos is that he has Los Lobos as his entry music. I I just I I can't can't see any. I I don't have any preference as to which Los Lobos track. Scott Kobos ought to use for his walk-up music. But again, call the contest line. Tell me what Los Lobos song you think Scott Kobos ought to have um, as, his, as his entry music. Because I definitely think it's got to be Los Lobos. Uh, don't really know all that much about his velocity or anything along those lines. Da-da-da-da-da. But uh, again, bring him into pitch camp and a pitch lab and see what he does. Angel Huss is the Puerto Rican that I mentioned, 6'2", 6'3". In a recent workout, he'd been up to 94 miles an hour. And now I'll say something that may be taken in a fashion, but there you go. A lot of U.S. players, a $20,000 signing bonus. Oh, it'd be nice. You know, they'd like to get the $20,000, but $20,000 U.S. to a kid who's already attended three or four years of college, it would be useful, but it's not life-changing. The opportunity to play baseball, and if it works out reaching the majors, that would be life-changing, but $20,000, less than 
Angel Huss is from Puerto Rico. If you're from Puerto Rico and you get a $20,000 signing bonus, that might be life-changing. And depending, you know, for you have a... Um, some people are particularly well-off for having been in Puerto Rico, some less so. But I would imagine you're probably going to find more players from Puerto Rico who $20,000 will be, oh yeah, I'll sign for that. Whereas a kid who has gone to three or four years of college, he already has his um, major, you know, he has his college degree, he, he has a number of jobs that might be lined up. You know, maybe he's going to be a stockbroker or, um, you know, just what, what, whatever it was that they, uh, communications major or whatever it is that they uh, have their education in. And they probably have something lined up that they could go to. But a lot of the college players are, I'll give the pro game a while. And if it works, then great. And if it doesn't, well, then I'll go head on to the next thing and get on with my life. With a player like Angel Huss, the $20,000, that might be really um, really a, something that swings him in the direction of playing pro baseball, as opposed to, for a lot of the American kids, eh, less so. Okay, uh, the last two players on my list, who knows, there could be another name once I get done with this podcast, and then I'd have to consider if I want to do another podcast or not. Graham Lawson is a right-handed reliever from South Carolina. I think he's the one that in 2020 had six innings pitched, two hits allowed, one earned run, eight strikeouts, and you're listening, whoa, 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 and seven walks. Well, there's a reason why he didn't get drafted. Again, get Graham Lawson to pitch lab once it's safe to go back to Mesa. I don't even know if players can be there if they want to be. I know that uh, Ian Happ drove out there with Dakota Meccas. I don't know what exactly the story was there, but uh, I'm sure that there are some players out there and they're trying to stay socially distanced and they're trying to get their workouts in. But I don't know how much of that there is out there. I, I imagine that a lot of players are at home and some of the players might be out there. But uh, with the new players that are just being signed, it would be really fun to ask what is going on with their development. Are they going out? Are they staying home? If you're staying home, how, can, you, can you Zoom chat with your position coach and get a proper um, diet figured out or, or, or all the stuff. How, how do you, how do they check to figure out how much you should be running, how much you should be lifting if they've never actually seen you. And if you've never flown out to just scads of questions, scads of questions, and who knows, we might, I've never, I haven't had a guest and that's been a failure on my part. I should have guests. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if people would be more interested in listening if there were a guest or not, but Regardless of that, I should have guests on because if I have a guest on in this format, I can ask them questions and they can interrupt me and tell me when I'm wrong. Because I love people telling me when I'm wrong, when they have the actual uh, ammo to back it up. Sixth on the list, Ben Leeper. He's also of the Bradley Beasley School in that Leeper is 
Leaper has three E's in it, and Ben has, uh, I guess, perhaps if um, Ben Leaper's parents would have been Bradley Beasley's parents, it would have been Benny with five, with three E's in Benny and Leaper with three E's. Leaper is from Oklahoma State. He has numbers. I didn't memorize them because he was more, he, he, he came after Lawson. Uh, his numbers are a bit along the lines of Lawson's, a bit more innings and a bit less extreme on the walks but um the the walks are still the issue there with leaper so either leaper or lawson you could very possibly see one or both of them in a south bend bullpen in 2021 if south bend is a cubs affiliate but um the six players i've mentioned are going to presumably give give it the uh, solid, legitimate try to make it as a professional for two or three or four years. And hopefully at least one of them gets up to double-A ball. It would make this podcast a lot more amusing to look back at. Um, If I were forced to guess, I would probably guess that Scott McKeon is going to be the best, um, best producer of the six. And... Probably, if you would ask um, 100 Cubs prospect people, Angel Huss would probably be the one that is most fascinating as far as upside because he's the youngest. I think he's the youngest. And nobody really has any idea except he throws 94. So uh Bradley Beasley from outfielder from Cal Poly, Scott McKeon, middle infielder from Coastal Carolina, Scott Cobos, a left-handed pitcher from Coastal Carolina who needs to have Los Lobos as his walk-up music and let me know which song. Angel Huss, right-handed pitcher from Puerto Rico, don't have a school listed. Graham Lawson, right-handed pitcher from South Carolina, Ben Leeper, right-handed pitcher from Oklahoma State. All five College names appear to be college seniors. So if there were people who were saying that there were going to be juniors who were going to jump to pro ball because reasons, well, I haven't seen that happen yet. Uh, Maybe it has, and I just haven't seen it. Maybe it hasn't, and it won't happen. Maybe it hasn't, but it will. So yeah, it's everything's up in the air. Everything is completely up in the air regarding the... um. Players choosing pro ball over 2021 college. And if you have any questions about that, just the entire concept of who should, you know, should there be, should, like, I wish the players were allowed to get more than $20,000. That's for darn sure. They used to be able to get 125000 to get going. And they used to have games to go to. Now they can only get $20,000 and they don't have games to go to this year. And they might not have games to go to next year. You never know. So uh, thanks for stopping by. And who knows, maybe the next one will have a guest on it. You just never know, do you? So have a nice Sunday. Have a great next week. And be nice to people.